Shalom, Holy Scriptures and Israel is a ministry designed to share with the Jewish people the good news of the Lord Jesus Yeshua the Messiah and to instruct Christians on the Jewish roots of their faith. And now, teaching God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective, here is Gideon Levitam. Shalom, my dear brothers and sisters. God bless you. We are privileged to continue with the study of the book of 1 Corinthians. And we trust that the Lord will bless you as we are studying together this very important letter that the Apostle Shaul Paul wrote to the believers at Corinth. We have covered up till this point of time in our Bible study together the first ten chapters of 1 Corinthians. To remind you that when the Apostle Shaul Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, he wrote to them because their spiritual condition was very low. There were many, many issues that uh, he had to correct when he was writing to the Corinthian believers. While he called them saints, in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, in the remaining Part of the whole book of First Corinthians, you can see that there is an entire letter that presents corrective ministry to the Corinthian saints. In fact, we read in chapter 1 and verse 2, Unto the assembly of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, in Mashiach Yeshua, called saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. And so, as he was writing this letter to the saints, yet much corrective ministry was found and is found in this first letter to the Corinthians. Many issues that he had to deal with and he writing to them because there were many, many problems among the people of God in the city of Corinth. There was divisions there, there was immorality, there was uh, divorces, a problem with marriage, there was problem with liberties that the believers had. There were error concerning the Lord's table. There were errors and problems concerning various spiritual gifts. And there were issues concerning the resurrection. And there was issue concerning money and giving. And the apostle Shaul Paul is writing in order to help them in their spiritual maturity. And corrective ministry is needed among God's people. It was needed in Israel's history And God raised the prophets of Israel to correct Israel, his people, once and again. And God raising the apostle, he raised them. And today, godly brothers and sisters that seek the welfare of the believers, and they are seeking to be an encouragement, correcting the people of God in order to draw God's people closer to 
uh, the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. Well, in the 11th chapter of the letter to the, the first letter to the Corinthians, there are three major points that Shaul Paul is seeking to communicate with the Corinthians. First of all, in chapter 11, verses 1 to 16, there was a need to understand the order that had to be among God's people in the assembly, and the headship needed to be communicated with the believers at Corinth. There was a need, beloved brothers and sisters, to have order in the local assembly in the city of Corinth, especially in relationship to the headship that God had given headship responsibility to the men to lead in the assembly. It's not an issue of superiority, but it is an issue of order and headship. Then in verses 17 to 22, there was a need to become unselfish among the people of God in Corinth. And the Apostle Shaul Paul will deal with that in the following verses, verses 17 to 22. And then thirdly, in this 11th chapter, there was an abuse at the Lord's table, at the Lord's Supper, where Shaul Paul needed to provide a correction to the believers in the local assembly at Corinth. Well, please follow me as I'm reading the first 16 verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and with the Lord's help we will seek to share a little bit about the need to have order in the assembly in relationship to the headship of the men in the local assembly. The God, the divine design headship that was given to the male men, not only in the world, but it had to be practiced and exhibited in the local churches, in the local assemblies, in the local congregations of the believers. So, Paul is writing in verse 1, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ, of the Mashiach. Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I deliver them unto you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, Christos in the Greek, Mashiach in the Hebrew, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ, of Messiah, is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman that prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, dishonors her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image 
and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of, of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head, to have authority on her head, because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judge in yourself. Is it calmly that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her? For her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have not such custom, neither the churches of God. And I will stop here, beloved brothers and sisters, with verse 16. First Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 to 16 is a passage that is oftentimes troubling many among the people of God. In fact, beloved friend, the society in which we live in today is a society that oftentimes do not want to receive, to accept this uh, divine order that is given by God, not only is giving it uh, to the believers here in Corinth, but it is a divine order that was given by God already from the beginning of creation. Now, this subject is very important, and oftentimes we get so discouraged and disappointed because there are so many views of the place of the sister, of the woman in the local congregation, the local assembly. And it is not a new story because in Israel's history, it was the same challenges, the same uh, conflict that exists as it is in the church age because it is always seemed to be challenging for God's people to submit to the authority of the Lord. And once one realizes that the Lord is always right, and one must submit to the Lord's commands and requirements and demands, then one can be having shalom, peace in his or her heart, and enjoy fellowship with the Lord. Now we just concluded in a previous message with the 10th chapter of the letter, the first letter to the Corinthian. And in the last portion of First Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is challenging the believers to have their life balance and to have responsibility to, to seek those things which are helpful. And he finished this 10th chapter with these words, if you remember, give no offense, verse 32. Neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the Church of God. Even as I, I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, 
that they may be saved. At the end of chapter 10, he instructed the Corinthian believers not to give offense, not to the Jewish people, not to the Gentile people, and not to the church of God, to the assembly of God, to the Kehillah, the ecclesia, which is a composition of the Jewish believers and Gentile believers in Yeshua HaMashiach, in Jesus the Messiah. And he says, don't give offense. In other words, as much as it is within you, don't you give offense neither to the Jewish people, to the nation of Israel, nor to the Gentile world, uh, to the nations of the world, nor to even within the body of Messiah, the believers. Don't give any offense. In other, in other words, seek to be a builder. Seek to be those that are helpful. Uh, seek to be the one that do all things to the glory of God. Remember we read in verse 31 of chapter 10, whether therefore you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. So now as we continue into chapter 11, it seemed to be that verse 1 belongs really to the previous chapter because in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul have some introductory remarks before he is dealing with these verses 5 to 16 to explain the remarks, the points that he wanted to communicate with the believers at Corinth concerning the headship that God have ordained in creation which should be exhibited among his own people, because the, those who do not believe in the Lord do not want to exhibit and to live this kind of lifestyle. But God's people, those that have accepted him, they are commanded and they are exhorted to seek to live their life in light of God's order in creation especially among the assembly of the believers. And so you will notice, beloved brothers and sisters, that Paul in verse 1 says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Mashiach, of Christ, of Christus. You see, to follow after Paul as an example was important. We are all called to be an example. In other words, don't follow after me, if I do not follow the Mashiach, the Messiah. Follow me if I am following Christ, as I follow Christ. You've already mentioned it in chapter 4 and verse 16, Wherefore I beseech you, be followers of me. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. In other words, follow me, follow me. But of course, you follow me, as I am of Christ, of the Mashiach, of the Messiah. Each and every one of us can only be helpful to others if we ourselves, first of all, are following uh, the Lord Himself. It is amazing how it is uh, challenging because one must be an example in order to help others to follow the Lord. So Paul, what he's really saying here, he's saying, follow me, even as I follow Christ, the Messiah. That is the need for every person who belongs to the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. We need to seek to be an example. And if we are an example, then we can expect others to follow after us. 
if we are not an example, and if we are not following the Lord ourselves, then we cannot be helpful uh, to other people, beloved brothers and sisters. And so, after he mentioned this in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, notice in verse 2, Paul continues, he is, Paul is praising the Corinthian, and he's saying to them in verse 2, Now I praise you. Now I praise you, brethren, that ye, number one, remember me in all things, and number two, and keep the ordinances as I deliver them to you. That word for ordinances, it has to do with the tradition, and that the word for tradition really has to do with the instruction that I'm giving to you. These are not man-made instruction, these are biblical instruction that you have received. In other words, he's calling the Corinthians to follow after him as he has given uh, to them the instruction. That word tradition, these are things that are given by godly men that are given to the people of God. You know, sometimes godly men, meaning Godly brothers, godly sisters, holy men of God, those that seeking the mind of the Lord, they give us some tradition, we might say instruction, that are biblical, that are godly. And therefore one can is exhorted to follow these guidance. You remember what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He said, Thou therefore my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things which thou hast heard of me. Among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Notice, the things which I have heard of me, 2 Timothy 2.2. Among many witnesses, the same commit to to faithful men, and they in turn will be able to teach others. In other words, godly brothers and sisters, godly men and women help others, and they instructing them so they can follow good things, godly advice, and they can pass them to others. So in verse 1 and 2 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, follow me, even as I am of Christ, verse 1, verse 2, I praise you. You know, earlier in other places he says, Now I praise you not. But here he begin this chapter or this portion of, of exhortation. Shaul, Paul is beginning by commending them. I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things. Apparently they did remember him. And they send to him some questions because they had issues to deal with and so they were asking for help and they they send uh, some information uh, uh, concerning the condition in their local assembly and they wanted help from Shaul Paul and therefore they remember him, they communicated with him. But secondly, he says you also, not only that you remember me in all things, but you keep the ordinances as I deliver them unto you. Apparently, you notice most of the teaching in First Corinthians is not so much doctrinally because 
they did not so much have an issue with the doctrine of the Godhead and the the doctrine concerning whether Jesus was divine and, and all these things which are important and fundamental, but he was mostly dealing with practical work here in this epistle. In chapter 15, they had some had an issue with the truth of resurrection. But it's most likely, beloved brothers and sisters, they did, as he mentioned in verse 2, they remember him in all things, but they also kept the teachings, the instruction, the doctrinal instruction which he had given to them, they have kept, but in a practical way, they failed tremendously, and that's why you see such a sad, sad letter of corrective ministry. But it's applied to us all, beloved friend and dear brothers and sisters. We all find ourselves as believers. We might know the truth. We might know many doctrinal, fundamental truths of the, the truth of the Word of God, but in practice, because of pride, and selfishness, and arrogance, and jealousy, and lustful, and, and all that, the envying, and all these things that rise up in our hearts many times in practical way, with all the doctrine that we understand, in practice we fail to enjoy fellowship with one another, and no wonder oftentimes local churches and congregation and assembly are broken to pieces because we know a lot in doctrine, but we oftentimes fail to put it into our daily relationship with one another. So after he is introducing these beloved brothers and sisters, he is teaching here a principle. In the next verse, verse 3, Paul, he is reminding the Corinthians of the creation order that God have set into creation. He is reminding them, but I would have you to know. I would have you know. And then he said before them the order that God had given in creation. Headship order. The head of every man is Christ. This is the Greek word Christos, which was taken from the Hebrew word Mashiach, which means anointed one. Hamashiach, the anointed one. So the head of every man, or all people, male and female, all humanity, is the Mashiach, is the Messiah, is the anointed of God, the Messiah himself. He continued and he said, the head of the woman is the man. The woman is the female, the man is the male in God's creation. It's not a matter of superiority. It's not a matter of who is better. But it is a matter of divine order, creation order, that the head of the woman is the man. And thirdly, the head of Christ, the head of the Mashiach, is God. Notice this. We have here something that is very, very important to learn. It's not even a matter of being applying it only to those who are believers, to those who believe in God, those who believe in Christ, in the Messiah, those who read their Bible. This is a fundamental fact. 
This is the principle that God has established here upon the face of this world, that headship, it's an order, it is a, not priority, not a superiority, but the order that God has set here in this world is God is first, then the Mashiach, the Messiah, then men, male men, then female, a woman. Again, beloved brothers and sisters, we read this kind of passage and we says, we say oftentimes there's no equality because look, the man is above the woman, but it's not true, beloved brothers and sisters, beloved friend, it is simply godly order, divine order that God has set here on the earth. God Messiah, Mashiach, Christ, then men, then women. That's the order that God has set for the human race here upon the face of this world. And that's why, once we understand this, the order of creation, it helps us to see that that's what God desired to see exhibited here in this world. Now, because the world fell into sin, And because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, men, the human race, have departed from this order. And the order in which God have intended to be here upon the face of this earth have been set aside because sin came into this world. And because sin came into this world, mankind departed from God and therefore this order had been messed up. But in the divine order, it is God first, of course, and then male and female. Now, the Messiah needed to come to this world, Christ needed to come to this world to become the Mashiach, the Anointed One, and to pay for the sin of this world because of sin, because departure was here in this world. But initially, my dear brothers and sisters and dear friends, Man, Adam, was created by God to be the one that will be a king, a sovereign here upon the face of this world. Because he wanted, God wanted mankind to have dominion here. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, we read, And God said, Let us, this is the triune God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all the three persons of the Godhead. We might say we receive a, an information concerning the discussion that was in the Godhead, among the Godhead themselves. Ha'aba, Ha'ben, Ha'ruach, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, together saying, let us make men in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion. Dominion. And that word dominion, vayerdu, That means that they will rule dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And God created men. This is verse 26 and 27 of of Genesis chapter 1. God created men in his own image. In the image of God created he him. And notice that male and female created he them. Vaivra Elohim et Ahadam Betsalmo, Betsalem Elohim bara oto, 
זכר ונקבה ברא אותם. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Amazing. And he blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and be multiplied. This is verse 28 of Genesis chapter 1. And replenish the earth. And notice, subdue the earth. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. But beloved, dear friends, men have lost, the human race have lost this privileged place because sin came into the world. And so it was necessary now to send the Mashiach who will take that which Adam lost. And this Mashiach is the man from heaven. He is the one that came now to give back or to restore that which Adam lost because of sin. This is so important to understand this. Beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, as it is written, we read in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, Verse 45, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. But then concerning the Messiah who had to come, God the Son, who had to enter into this world to become the Christ, the Mashiach, the Anointed One. Well, he is the last Adam. He was, he was made, he became a living spirit. In verse 47 of 1 Corinthians 15, we read, the first man is of the earth earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Ha'adon min ha'shamayim. So what happened, beloved brothers and sisters, because of the fall of man, it was necessary to send the Messiah to this world, Christ, the Mashiach. And the order is, of course, because the Messiah was the only one, Jesus, Yeshua the Messiah, he was the only one that pleased God. And he fulfilled that which God had intended for Adam, but Adam failed into sin and disobedience, and he plunged the whole human race into sin. That's why you and I are sinners by nature. But in God's order of creation, he wanted men to be under God. But Adam lost this privilege because of sin. And God now had to send the Mashiach to restore man to himself. And so God, who knew all things, he has set an order that the head of every man is Christ, is the Mashiach, the Messiah. He is the one that is the head of all men. In fact, we do read, beloved friends, And dear brothers and sisters, as the apostle writing letters to the various assemblies in Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 22 and 23, we do read in verse 22, He has put all things under His feet, and He gave Him to be head over all things to the church. Paul is speaking about the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. 
So the Lord Jesus, the Lord Yeshua, is the head also over all things to the assembly, to the ecclesia, to the church. But He is the head of all men beyond the assembly, the church, beyond the nation of Israel. He is the head of all men. Beloved brothers and sisters, in Colossians we read also concerning the person of the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, we do read. And He is, verse 18 of Colossians 1, He is the head of the body, the church, the assembly, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. So what we learn in this important verse, a principal verse, that there is order in creation. God, Christ, Mashiach, Anointed One, Messiah, man, woman, female. That's the order. God, Messiah, man, woman. Again, to remind you that it's not an issue with respect to the human race between the male and the female, the man and the woman is not a matter of superiority, it's just a matter of order. It's not an issue of preference, it's just a matter of godly order, divine design. That's the way God made things. In the army, you have a commander and you have a soldier. In a job, you have a boss and you have an employee, employer and employee. There is always order. In creation, there was an order that God had intended for mankind, but mankind messed it up. And the only place to see this exhibited is among God's people. Before the Messiah came, God had intended to see it in the history of His people Israel. Here is earthly people. He wanted the male man to take leadership among His people of Israel. Once the Messiah came, Israel as a nation hasn't accepted Him as yet. The assembly was born where Jew and Gentile are united together in one body then in the assembly, in the church, in the local assembly, but in the universal uh, assembly that what God desired to be exhibited among his own people. So now notice that as Paul, Shaul, moving along, after he's introducing, giving a, an introductory remarks, he says in verse 4 and 5, now that he mentioned it, he says in verse 4 and 5, Every man praying and prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesying with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. Now it's interesting because here in these two verses, he is speaking to the Corinthians the place of order in which things ought to be done. And specifically, you will see he's leading here, a little bit later on, he's using that expression in order to show them how it ought to be exhibited in the public place among the people of God, specifically when the people of God gather together. Now, of course, the headship that God, Christ, men, women had to be exhibited everywhere, at home, at work, 
and in the local gathering of the people of God. It should be the attitude of all those that love the Lord and want to please Him. But in the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 12, 13, and 14, it specifically deals with the collective aspect of the assembling of the people of God together. You notice if we jump down a little bit further in verse 17, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that ye come together not for the better. Notice this expression, you come together. Verse 18, For first of all, when ye come together in the church, in the assembling of the believers, there is division among you. Verse 20, When ye come together therefore into one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. In other words, you can see dealing within the context with in relationship to the public expression of the order that was given by God that he wanted, Paul wanted the believers at Corinth to know that the head of every man is the Messiah, Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. And the head of the of Messiah is God. There is order in the creation. Notice in the Verse 22, in relationship to the fact that he is leading to uh, emphasize the order in the assembly, in the public assembly that need to be practically adhered to. It should be evident everywhere among the people of God, but in assembly, the gather saints of the saints of God, it should be exhibited among the people of God. We read, what have you, not houses to eat and to drink? Do you despise the church of God, the assembly of God? This is collective. And you can look down in these chapters, beloved brothers and sisters, and you can see again and again that he's emphasizing the coming together. Notice at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 33, Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat tarry one for another. Verse 34, And if any man Hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation. In other words, the whole context of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and the fundamental uh, godly principle or divine principle that is given for, for all mankind is the uh, public expression in the local assembly that need to be evident among God's people. Not always easy to solve it. So he says in verse 4, Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonored his head. And every woman that prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, dishonors her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. So, we learned a few things here from these two verses, that uh, men ought to pray, also the women ought to pray, but especially in the context of the public expression of the people of God, the man is to be uncovered, and the woman is to have her head covered. Now again, 
Realize this, dear brothers and sisters, why? Because when the thought of covering the head, it's very interesting in the context of creation. Because the head of every man is the Messiah, the symbolic covering of the head is really a symbolic way whereby one says that he is covering his head before someone, but because he wants to reveal Christ, the Messiah who is the head, he is called not to cover Christ, not to cover the Messiah who is his head. On the other hand, for a woman, she is called to cover her head. Why? Because she does not want to reveal her husband who is supposed to reveal Christ. She is covering her head in order to show submissiveness, humility, recognizing the headship of her husband and Christ, the Messiah. And it's important to see that in this context, because this problem with head covering is often is seen. Should a woman come to a public meeting with her head uncovered? Or should a man come to a public meeting where there will be prayer and the ministry of the word and singing? Should a man come with his head covered? Well, from what we learn here, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, men ought not to have his head covered. On the other hand, because a woman is to be in submissiveness and to be uh, acknowledging that she has a head, she is to cover her head. Now, let me just remind you that in, in biblical days when God given instruction to Moses concerning the clothing of the uh, of the high priest of Israel and the priests. God did command through Moshe that the high priest and his sons will have a mitznefet, a mitre. In Exodus twenty eight verse four we read, and these are the garments which they shall make: a breastplate and an ephod and a robe, and a, a broidered coat, and a mitre, and a girdle. And they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his sons. That mitre is the head, which is called in Hebrew mitznefet. That mitre was the one that was upon the head. Notice what we read in Leviticus 8 and verse 9. He put the mitre upon his head, also upon the mitre, even upon his forehead, did he put the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord commanded Moses. In other words, that mitre, the head covering that the high priest have had, was given to Israel in days of old, specifically to the high priest, and his sons in their service for the Lord in the temple. And that's why oftentimes you will see our Jewish people having a head covering, kippah, on the head when we approach the presence of God in the synagogue 
and the man will have his head uh, usually covered with kippah. But kippah, for the ordinary Israeli individual, was not demanded by God in biblical days. You only find it in connection with the high priest and his sons. The ordinary Israeli were not commanded to have his head covered, but the women in biblical days used to have their head covered. So according to the commandments of God, the high priest in days of old had the mitznefet, and the ordinary priest had this head called mikbat, according to Exodus 28, verses 4, 37, and verse 40. But to have a head covering for a man also representing, ordinary man representing, a, it's a sign of mourning, a sign of suffering. Like David in Second Samuel 15 and verse 30, he covered his head out of shame and a sign of mourning. And the, the Jewish people in the day of Jeremiah, when they were taken captive, it was a sign of mourning. But ordinarily, there was no head covering in Jewish life until at some point of time in history that was commanded or demanded or instructed by the rabbis in order to distinguish the Jewish people from the other nations of the earth. But it is not a biblical command. But here in the Brit HaKadashah, since the Messiah came, after his death, burial, and resurrection, in this present-day age, in a church age, we have this clear instruction that a man ought not to cover his head, and a woman ought to cover her head. So let me read these two verses again. 1 Corinthians Chapter 11, verse 4, Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, he dishonors his head. But every woman that prays or prophesying with her head uncovered, she dishonors her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. Now to remind you, of course, that the Apostle Shaul Paul writes to the Corinthians. The city of Corinth was a city was filled with idolatry and prostitution and, and that which is a dishonoring to God altogether. And some of these people among the Corinthians became believers in the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. They became part of the local assembly at Corinth. And so they brought along with them some of the things which they used to live like in the past. You remember in chapter 6, Paul said, such were some of you. And he gave them the list of the kind of lifestyle that they lived before they became believers. But now that they come in to be part of the local assembly, local church in Corinth, they needed to learn some principles, the divine principles, that they would apply to themselves. One of the things that is, uh, was common in, in custom in ancient Near East and Mesopotamia is that uh, that part of the world, women in general cover their head when they were outside of their home in biblical days, and women cover their heads uh, or put veils on their faces, obviously over the head and their faces, in order that to show their submissiveness 
submission and, and a sign of a woman of humility and submissiveness. This is the beauty that presented before us in God's word. You remember when Yitzchak brought Becca to have a, Abraham wanted a, a bride for his son. And so we read that when Yitzchak was in the field and, and Rebecca was coming on camels and coming to, to see him being brought uh, according to chapter 24 of the book of Genesis uh, with the Eliezer, the servant of Abraham. You remember, it came to pass that before she had done speaking, we read that, behold, Rebekah came out, and who was uh, born to Betuel, son of uh, uh, Micah, the wife of Nahon, Abraham's brother. And remember what we read concerning this beautiful person by the name of Rebecca, we read that when she arrived now to come to be brought to Isaac, to Yitzchak, we read in Genesis chapter 24 and verse 64 and 65 these words, Rebecca lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lightened off the camel, she came off the camel, and she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. The Hebrew word is tsaif, vatitkas. Vatikach hatsaif vatitkas. And she took the veil, this is the scarf, and she covered herself. And of course, she may have covered her head also in her face as well. So it was very customary for most women in the ancient days in the uh, Near East, in Mesopotamia area, among the people of Israel in the Middle East there, that women will cover their heads and their faces with veils and with scarves. So the unveiling of a woman's hair was considered to be humiliation and even punishment in those days of old. And the Jewish women, according to Numbers chapter 5 and verse 18, when, when something wrong had happened, they were uncovered to put them to shame. Their head and hairs were uncovered in order to put them to shame. Isaiah mentioned this as well in chapter 3, and verse 17. And so, in the Corinthians condition, that women who uncover their head was a sign of rebellion, a sign of a lack of submissiveness. And that was the situation that existed there in Corinth. Now, in the assembly, when the head is covered, is a sign of the order that God has set in creation that should be exhibited in some small way among the people of God. So after the Apostle Paul presented some introductory remarks in verses 1 to 5, then Paul continued on with the explanation of his remarks concerning women praying or prophesying in the public place 
um, in the assembly, in the local gathering of the saints. Now that is again, beloved brothers and sisters, it is oftentimes a problem that is among the people of God. It is evident. We need just the Lord to help us to understand that and to accept it from the Lord and to realize that it's not at all an issue of superiority or more importance. It's just a divine design that God has set. I know we live in a modern days and uh, there's uh, no, no distinctions between male and female, even in the appearance, even in the various positions in the world. But among the people of God, there should be evident the godly divine order that was given by God in His Word. And so notice verses 6 to verse 16, the Apostle Paul now explaining the remarks that he have mentioned in the previous verses. Again to remind you, I would have you know, verse 3, that the head of every man is Christ, Mashiach. And the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prays or prophesying with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as Eve she were shaven. Just want to make one more remark. You notice that in verse 3, it does not say only that the head of the woman is man, which is right in the middle, but it began to say that the head of every man, every, all people, all humanity, is the Messiah, is Yeshua, is Christ, is the Anointed One. He's the head of all. He's the head of the women. He's the head of the men. He's the head of the believers in him. And he's the head of the unbelievers. He's the head of all things. God has placed him to be the one that will be the head of all. Every knee will bow to him. Every tongue will confess before him one day. He said, sit down at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. At the name of Jesus, the name of Yeshua, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Remember Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, Wherefore God has highly exalted him and giving him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Yeshua, Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and of things in earth and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ, that Yeshua HaMashiach is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So it's not only that the headship of men, the head of a woman is a man, but it's also the head of all the human race is the Messiah himself. And even more, it says that the head of Christ is God. The head of the Messiah is God. In other words, the Messiah lived a life of submissiveness to God. Headship is a sign of authority. Headship is a, the sign of direction. Leadership, it's not 
a matter of superiority. In the Godhead, they co-equal all the three persons within the Godhead. But when God the Son took union humanity and he became the man that was born to the Virgin Miriam in the city of Bethlehem, the baby Yeshua, the baby Jesus, he lived his life throughout his life in submissiveness to God as man, though he was God. You remember what we did read in, in Philippians chapter 2 concerning the person of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. We read, who being in the form of God, verse 6 of chapter 2, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and he took upon himself the form of a servant, and he was made in the likeness of men, and being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's the Messiah, Jesus, Yeshua, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends. So these verses from 6 to 16, Paul is explaining and he's showing to us. Notice in verse 6, Paul said, he said, If a woman be not covered, let her also be shown. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shown or shaven, let her be covered. See, he's explaining the previous verses. In other words, when the believers gather together in a local assembly to meet together in a public place, the evidence that there is an order, the divine order, is when the men take the leadership, the public place, with the head uncovered because he is revealing Christ, the Messiah, and the woman by her head covering, showing that she is submissive and that she recognizes the leadership and the headship of, her, of the men, of her husband and of the male men. Not because she is less of an importance before God, no. Not because man is more important before God, but that is the divine order. So, there it says in verse 6, every woman that is not covered, let her also be shown as if being shaven. And again, to remind you, in the Corinthian situation, there was a lot of prostitution. There was a lot of that which uh, idol worship, that which was godless. And therefore, a rebellion lifestyle was evident outside at Corinth. And the women who were rebelling and not submissive were shaven, and there were many much prostitution there. And therefore, the evidence that this woman, this sister, this believer in that local assembly that she was following the Lord, recognizing the place that God had given to her, she was called to be covered, that the head would be covered. Then if she doesn't want it, well, as might as well let her be, as it says here, shorn or shaven, let her be uncovered. On the other hand, in verse 7, for men indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and the glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. Notice God created Adam first and then out of Adam, out of his rib, of his side, he created woman to be his helpmeet, Chava. 
And Adam was created, as it says here, man indeed ought not to cover his head. Why? Because he is the image and the glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. Again, beloved brothers and sisters, when one read this passage, especially in the days in which we live in, one wonder, well, it seemed to be as if men, male man, is more important, that he has his superior, but in actuality, it is not so. That is the divine order that was given by God. God, Christ, the Messiah, man, and then woman in that order. But the man and the woman are equal equal in everything but in the order in which God has set it in a public place especially to be expressed and lived out in our home relationship in our day by day living a godly man and a godly woman will seek to have the mind of the Lord now many times some might read these verses that I found in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13, what he does say, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we have been made all to drink into one Spirit. In Galatians, we do read in these chapter 3, and there you notice in verse 28, it does say, beloved brothers and sisters, in verse 28, there is neither Jews nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. It is true. Positionally, a Jew and a Gentile are one in the Messiah Yeshua. Positionally, a slave and a free man are one in the Messiah Yeshua. Positionally, male and a female are one in the Messiah, Yeshua. Positionally. Yes, there is no difference. We are all the same. Jewish and Gentile, male and female, slave and free. We are all one in the Messiah on the basis of the finished work of the Lord Jesus on the cross, on the tree. But they are still male and female. They are still Jews and Gentiles. They are still bond, slave and free. No slave who became a believer in Jesus the Messiah said to his master, Now I believe in Jesus, in Yeshua, let me go, I'm not going to be a slave anymore. No woman that uh, accepted the Lord Jesus the Messiah can say, Well, now I'm stopping to, do, to be a woman. And no Jewish person or a Gentile can say, Well, now because I'm Jewish and therefore I'm in, because you are Gentile, you are not. No, we all come in on the same ground. All have sinned, come short of the glory of God. We have accepted the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. We became part of the body of Christ, the body of Messiah. And therefore, some might say, You see, there is no male, no female. Well, there is a male and a female. That's why we have male bathroom and female bathroom. That's why male dress one way and a female dress another way. That's why male 
and female, a man, male man cannot bring a child into this world, but a woman bringing a child into this world. There is always male and female, but positionally in Christ we are all the same. So there is this expression that ought to be evident in the life of God's people on a basis of the divine principle given in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. I want you to know that the head of every man is the Messiah, is Christ. And the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. There is a divine order that is given to us in the Word of God. And so, as Paul continued to explain this, to remind you that here we have read by the Apostle Paul that a man prays and a woman prays, that a man prophesied and a woman prophesied. He will deal later on with the fact that in the public place, the public expression, praying, and the public expression, speaking forth the word of God, was given also to the man in a public place. While in a more a private place, such as in teaching the children and speaking to others, women can pray with other women, with other people, but in the local assembly, God had given this expression to maintain as the male man will take this public expression. You will notice this, beloved friend, throughout the whole history, even in the history of Israel. The public expression in among the people of Israel was given to the men, the priests were, and the kings in the order of God, there were male men. Again, thank God for the women that served God and uh, were example in the history of Israel. And thank God for the women in the history of the assembly, the church, who served God and were example. But the divine order is clear, beloved brothers and sisters. Again, it's not a matter of superiority but it is a matter of divine order. In verses 8 and 9 we read uh, that men, but the man is not of the woman, but the woman is of men. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Notice, uh, uh, Paul is taking us back to the book of Genesis, to creation. And according to the book of Genesis, already there, in the creation order, we have the fact that God created, first of all, Adam. In chapter 2 of the book of Genesis, in verse 7, we read, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed unto his nostril the breast of life, and he became a living soul, we read. In verse 21, we read of the same chapter, beloved brothers and sisters, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken, he made a woman, and he brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called Isha, woman. 
because she was taken out of men. In other words, the woman, Isha in Hebrew, was taken out of Ish. Isha, woman, was taken out of the man. She's bone of my bone. She's flesh of my flesh. She shall be called Isha because she was taken out of men. Therefore let the man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And so, beloved brothers and sisters, in Genesis chapter 2, it's clear to see that there is that creation order. That's why verses 8 and 9 clearly tells us in verse 8 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Remember God said that, that he may, may have a help meet. Many years ago, a wise rabbi, rabbi said, the woman was not created out of the foot of man, lest he step on her. She was neither created out of his head, lest she rule over him. But a woman, the Isha, she was created out of his side to be a helpmeet to the man. Let the man therefore leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his own wife, and they shall be both one flesh. In verse 10, we read, For this reason, notice this, For this cause at the woman to have power, to have a sign of submissiveness and authority, Notice, a sign of authority, of power on her head because of the angels. You see, beloved brothers and sisters, the angels are called ministering spirits in the book of Hebrews. The angels, Hamalachim, God used the angels to give the law to our own people, the Jewish people, on Mount Sinai. The angels were used by God to be servants. They are ministering spirits. And therefore, beloved brothers and sisters, the angels are observing. And as they are observing to see how will these people behave, are they submissive to God as we are called to be submissive? And beloved brothers and sisters, they are seeing the behavior among the people of God. We read in uh, Hebrews 1, For unto which of the angels, verse 5, said it any time thou art my son? This day have I begotten thee. To no one of the angels, according to verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 1, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Angels are serving God and God's people, and the angels are observing to see the behavior of the believers of the assembly. And when they see the women in the public place of the assembly, taking the place of submissiveness by covering their head in the public place of the assembly, when they see that angels are the ones that observe 
and recognize. They learn many, many things, beloved brothers and sisters, by the behavior of the believers in the local church. We read in First Peter chapter 1 and verse 12, unto whom it was revealed. Notice that it's very uh, interesting in this First uh, Peter chapter 1 and verse 12, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us uh, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven, which things angels desire to look into. Angels desire to look into this amazing truth that a Mashiach had come to provide salvation, fulfilling the word of the prophets concerning the coming of the Messiah and leading many to come to know him as their Lord and Savior. And so in the following verses, and I will conclude with these verses 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16. You notice that, beloved brothers and sisters, we do read verse 11. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither is the woman without the man in the Lord. We cannot be without one another. We need one another, male and female, a man and a woman. For the woman is of the man. Even so as the man is by the woman, but all things are of God. A man and a woman living life, honoring the Lord, need one another. We cannot do with, without one another because that's the way God created here in this world. In fact, a man-child will enter into this world through a marriage of a, of a man and a woman and a child will be born. Procreation here in this world. It's divine order. Then he continues and he says, Judge in yourself. Is it calmly that a woman pray unto God uncovered in a public place? Of course, in the context. And again, we will deal with the issue of the public speaking of the, of the women in the assembly in, as we go on into the next chapter, specifically chapter 14, because really, because a man is the public representation, whenever the, the man speaking and praying, he is really representing the whole assembly of the believers. And when he prays, when he pray publicly, he pray on behalf of all. So he says, judge yourself. Is it comely that a woman should pray unto God uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? In other words, you know, the long hair that was only given naturally for the woman. It speaks about the glory of the woman that is really, the long hair is her glory. And the only time in history where there was a, given for a man to have a long hair is the Nazarite in Israel's history, the Nazir, that the long hair was a sign of devotedness to the God of Israel. Not like now when long hair is really a sign of, in a sense of rebellion. And he concluded, 
The apostle concluded this portion, he said, But if a woman have a long hair, it is a glory to her, verse 15, for her hair is given her for a covering to, to show her beauty and her feminine. She's a feminine. It shows her as a woman. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. We don't have that custom the way that you are practicing now in, in Corinth when things have been in so much disarray. We, in all the churches of God, the assemblies of God, according to what Paul is saying, and we seek to have the mind of the Lord. If any man of you, he said, be contentious, you don't you reject it, what I'm, I'm instructing you, and some do, even today we, we at times can are rejecting the word of the Lord. The clear word of God. Well, he says, we have no such custom. Neither the churches, the assemblies of God. Beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends, may the Lord help us to see this as we study together. May the Lord help us to accept the word of God and to be submissive to his word, to accept one another, to take our place in the public place, specifically in the gathering of the saints, in the churches, in the assemblies, in the kehilot. May God bless his word. May God encourage our hearts. Until the next time, we say to you all, Shalom, Shalom. You have been listening to the Holy Scriptures and Israel with Gideon Levitan. Gideon teaches God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective. For more information about this ministry, write to Holy Scriptures and Israel, Box 1411, Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario, L0S1J0, or visit our website at holyscripturesandisrael.com. You are also invited to Gideon's weekly Bible teaching, on Fridays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1 p.m. at Willowdale Christian Assembly Hall, 28 Martin Ross Avenue in Toronto. Holy Scriptures and Israel is made possible by your prayers and financial support. If you would like to support the program, visit holyscripturesandisrael.com. God bless you. Shalom, shalom.